Well, welcome back, guys. Um, so I'm reading, today I was reading in Three Kings about Solomon. I was in chapter 11 and 12. It'd be one Kings in any other Bible, uh, but the Matthews Bible. Anyway, I'm just going to, I highlighted some stuff, but I'm gonna, I was going to read out of the Apocrypha, the book of Ecclesiasticus. But anyway, let me just, this is just talking about how Israel fell and Solomon. I thought he was going to be great, but he fell horribly. And it referenced over in the, song, the Songs of Solomon and that whole chapter is it's something. It talks about what I believe is how Satan set up his churches and the gifts of the uh, thousand the 700 wives and 300 concubines that Solomon had, and he built an altar for each one of them. I think those are the, like, churches or cathedrals and things like that. And then the Song of Solomon pretty much buttons that down, but I'm not going to read that tonight. Uh, so I'm just picking up in 3 Kings chapter 13. It's in section F, but it's just talking about It says, you know, talking about, uh, I think this, I don't know which king died or what happened, but it's after Solomon. It says, and Jeroboam thought in his heart, which that's an error, uh, how might the kingdom return to the house of David again? For if this people shall go up and do sacrifice in the house of the Lord at Jerusalem, then shall their hearts turn again unto their Lord Rehoboam, king of Judah. And so shall they kill me and go again to Rehoboam, king of Judah. And then it says, Whereupon the king took counsel of his men that were from Egypt, made two calves of gold, and said unto the people, You shall not need to go any more to Jerusalem. Behold, your gods Israel, which are the two calves of gold, brought you out of the land of Egypt, and he put the one in Bethel and the other in Dan, and that do and that doing was a cause of sin. And the people went before the one as far as Dan, and he made houses of hill altars, and made of the lowest of the people priests, which were not of the sons of Levi. And Jeroboam made a feast the fifteenth day of the eighth month, like unto the feast that was in Judah and offered unto the altar, and so did he in Bethel, to offer unto the calves that he, had, that he had made. And he put in Bethel the priest of the hill altars which he had made, and he offered upon the altar which he had made in Bethel, the fifteenth day of the eighth month which he had imagined of his own heart. It made a solemn feast unto the children of Israel and went up to the altar to burn sacrifice. And one of the references in that chapter, I'm just going to go, it was Exodus 22d. Uh, this hits on times. And cause that was one of the things when I first was a couple, uh, you know, going to the Baptist church and the Adventist church. You know, I remember asking the preacher about tithes. Oh, yeah, it's 10%. And, you know, the more you look through Scripture, it doesn't say anywhere where God tells you to give money to some man 
for a man-made church. So anyway, this is just one of them that kind of clarifies it in the Matthew's Bible. So Exodus 22d, it says, If thou lend money to any of my people that is poor by thee, thou shalt not be as a usurer unto him. Don't use money to use people. It says, Neither shalt oppress him with usury. If thou take thy neighbor's remnant to pledge, see that you thou that you deliver it unto him again, that the son it says, deliver it to him again, by that the son go down, for that is his uh, coverlet only, even the remnant for his skin wherein he sleepeth, or else he will cry unto me, and I will hear him, for I am merciful, thou hast not rail upon the goods, neither curse the ruler of thy people. Thy fruits, whether they be dry or moist, see thou keep not back. Thy firstborn son thou shalt give me. Likewise shalt thou do of thine oxen and thy sheep, of thy sheep. Seven days it shall be with the dame, and this eighth day thou shalt give it me. You shall, shall be holy people unto me, and therefore shall you eat no flesh that is torn of beast in the field, but that, but shall cast it to dogs. I'm not going to go into the flesh and the beast and all that, but it does say by tithes. It's this is a reference in between thy first, thy fruits. It says by tithes and first fruits are understood giving, of thanks whereby the heart knowledgeth and can. To have received it of God, and then it says, as in Timoth- as in one Timothy four a. I'm gonna go over there real quick. One Timothy four a. It says, in the Spirit speaketh evidently that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, and shall give heed unto spirits of error, and devilish doctrine of them which speak false through hypocrisy. I have their conscience marked with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats which God hath created to be received with giving thanks. Of them which believe and know the truth, for all creatures of God are good and nothing to be refused if it be received with thanksgiving. And this one has a reference. It's it's in between and have their conscience marked with a hot iron. This says, have their consciences marked with a hot iron as as thieves and evildoers are marked in the hands or other places of the body with hot irons to the intent that their naughtiness may be that mark, the mark that mark be openly known ever after. Even so are the consciences of false teachers marked, in that they be witness to themselves that for their belly's sakes and desire of filthy lucre, which is money, they hide or gains, they hide the truth and establish themselves. All right. I'm going to go over to Ecclesiasticus. This is in the Apocrypha. It's right after the Book of Wisdom. It has a prologue of 
it says I'm not going to read the intro that's it, kind of shocking but Ecclesiasticus I'm going to read chap- let me see where we are yeah I'm going to read chapter 1 and probably chapter 2 uh, but this is Ecclesiasticus and of course this is corrupt in the King James Apocrypha it doesn't even it's just horrible it, the corruption from the into the 1560 Geneva and, and onward it gets like really bad in Psalms and Proverbs especially in the New Testament in the Old Testament too there's words changed but it's not as dramatic but in the Apocrypha it is like horribly <laughs> altered uh, like I read Songs of Solomon the first chapter didn't even make sense in the uh, King James <sighs> anyway alright Ecclesiasticus the first chapter all wisdom cometh of God the Lord and hath been with I'm sorry and hath been ever with him and his excuse me and his before all time who hath numbered the sand of the sea the drops of the rain and the days of time who had who had measured the height of heaven the breadth of the earth and the deepness of the sea who has so wit oh man who who hath sought out the ground of God's wisdom, which hath been before all things. Wisdom hath been before all things, and the understanding of prudence from everlasting. God's word in the height is the well of wisdom, and the everlasting commandments are the entrance of her. Unto whom hath the root of wisdom been declared? Or who hath known her her wit? Unto whom hath the doctrine of wisdom been discovered and showed? And who hath understand or understood that many f- manifold entrance of her, the manifold entrance of her? There is one, even the highest, the marker, the maker of all things, the Almighty, the King of power, of whom men ought to stand greatly in awe, which sitteth upon his throne, being a God of dominion. He hath created her through the Holy Ghost. He hath seen her, numbered her, and measured her. He hath proved her out upon all his works and upon all the flesh according to his gift. He giveth her richly unto them that love him. The fear of the Lord is worship and triumph, gladness and a joyful crown. The fear of the Lord maketh a merry heart, giveth gladness, joy, and long life. Whoso feareth the Lord, it shall go well with him at the last, and in the day of his death he shall be blessed. The love of God is honorable wisdom. Look unto whom it appeareth. They love it, for they see what wondrous things it does. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and was made with the faithful in the mother's womb. It shall go with the chosen women, and shall be known of the righteous and faithful. The fear of the Lord is the, is the right God's service, that preserveth and justifieth the heart 
and giveth mirth and gladness. Whoso feareth the Lord shall be happy, and when he hath need of comfort, he shall be blessed. To fear God is the wisdom that maketh rich and bringeth all good with her. She filleth the whole house with her gifts, and then garners with her treasure. The fear of the Lord is the crown of wisdom, and giveth plenteousness, peace, and health. He has seen her and numbered her. Knowledge and understanding of wisdom have he poured out of his reins, and then and them that held her fast hath he brought unto honor. The fear of the Lord is the root of wisdom, and her branches are long life, and the treasures of wisdom is understanding and devotion of knowledge. But wisdom is abhorred of sinners. The fear of the Lord driveth out sin, for he that is without fear cannot be made righteous, and his willful boldness is his own destruction. A patient man will suffer unto the time, and then shall he have the reward of joy. A good understanding will hide his words for a time, and many men's lips shall speak of his wisdom, and the treasures of wisdom is the declaration of doctrine, but the sinner abhorreth the worship of God. My son, if thou desire wisdom, keep the commandments, and God shall give her unto thee. For the fear of the Lord is wisdom and nurture. He hath pleasure in faith and loving meekness, and he shall fill the treasures thereof. Be not obstinate and unfaithful to the fear of the Lord, and come not unto him with a double heart. Be not a hypocrite in the sight of men, and take good heed what you sayest, or what thou speakest. Mark well these things, lest thou happen to fall and bring your soul to dishonor. And so God discover thy secrets and cast thee down in the midst of the congregation, because thou wouldest not receive the fear of God, and because thy heart is full and fain of feignness and deceit. And so the second chapter. And you guys bear with me because this is in, I, I called it Old English, but I've heard it called Gothic writing. So, and, uh, and some of the chapters are different from the different translators. Uh, this one's a little easier to read, but uh, the intro to chapter two, I didn't read the intro to one. It says, the intro to chapter one, it says, Wisdom proceedeth and cometh of God. A praise of the fear of God. Righteousness is a de degree to come of by wisdom. And the intro to chapter 2, it says, He ex exhorteth the servants of God to righteousness, love, understanding, and patience, and to exhort him that feareth God, to believe, to hope, and to love, because God neither confounded nor forsaketh them that trust in him. A curse upon the subtle fierce and impatience patient of heart okay so chapter 2 it starts off my son if if thou wilt come into the service of God stand fast in righteousness and fear 
and arm your soul to and arm thy soul to temptation, settle thy heart and be patient. Bow down thy ear, receive the words of understanding, and shrink not away when thou art enticed. Hold thee fast upon God, God, join thyself unto him, and suffer that life may increase and last. Whatsoever happened happeneth unto thee, receive it. Suffer in heaviness and be patient in thy trouble. For like as gold and silver are tried in the fire, even so are acceptable men in the furnace of adversity. Believe in God, and he shall help you. Order your way aright and put your trust in him. Hold fast his fear and grow therein. O you that fear the Lord, take sure hold of his mercy. Sprinkle not away from him that you fall not. O you that fear the Lord, believe him, and your reward shall not be empty. O you that fear the Lord, put your trust in him, and mercy shall come unto you for pleasure. O you that fear the Lord, set your love upon him, and your heart shall be lightened. Consider the old generations of men, O you children, and mark them well. Was there ever any one confounded that put his trust in the Lord? Whoever continued in his fear and was forsaken, of whom did he ever despise that called faithfully upon him? For God is gracious and merciful. He forgiveth sins in the time of trouble and is a defender for all them that seek him in the truth. Woe be unto him that hath a double heart, wicked lips, and evil occupied hands, and to the sinner that goeth two manner of ways. Woe be unto them that are loose of heart, which put not their trust in God, and therefore shall they not be defended of him. Woe be unto them that have lost, that have lost patience, forsaken the right ways, and are turned back into, the, into forward ways. What will they do when the Lord shall begin to visit them? They that fear the Lord will not mistrust his word, and they that love him will keep his commandment. They that fear the Lord will seek out the things that are pleasant unto him, and they that love him shall suffer his law. They that fear the Lord will prepare their hearts and humble their souls in his sight. They that fear the Lord keep his commandments, and will be patient till they see himself saying, Better it is for us to fall into the hands of the Lord than into the hands of men, for his mercy is as great as himself. And if you noticed, it doesn't say anything about falling into the hands of a man to be baptized or uh, listening to a man preach. It's all in the scripture. Your preachers are written down for you. And it has to be good scripture. I trust the Matthew's Bible. That other stuff is... uh, I was reading somewhere where it talked about the books are corrupt. I think it was in uh, Three Kings in chapter 11 or 12. Uh, But anyway, uh, I'll keep... When I find some new stuff, I'll just keep posting. I wasn't planning on uh, recording recording today, but uh, hope this helps you all in your journey.